Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, it's March 2016. And that is where we are left off as we celebrated 30 wonderful and God-filled years in this church. And so now we begin the next step. And something that occurred to me after we had that incredible celebration of all that God has done in this place is that we asked the question at the end of that night, well, what is it that God is calling us to do for the next 30 years as a church? What would we be celebrating when it's our 20, uh, when it's our, our 60th anniversary as a church? Now, as uh, some here kindly reminded me that the likelihood of them being here during that time might be slightly reduced than it was when we're talking about the 30th anniversary. And it reminded me of a great scene in a modern movie at the moment called The Intern, in which Robert De Niro takes an internship as he's a senior citizen that takes an internship with a startup company. And the young 24-year-old sits him down and says, where do you see yourself in 15 years' time? (laughs) And he says, what, when I'm 95? And so it occurred to me that uh, when we talk about God's vision for this church, what has been clear is that we have changed year on year on year on year. Uh, Not through necessarily gigantic leaps of faith, although it included that, but through lots of small next steps. Which means, even if you think that the likelihood that you're here at our 60th anniversary is slightly reduced, there is still a vital part for you to play in the future of this church. How do we get there? The dream is that we would be a church that influences the city of Sydney, that we would be a city on a hill, that we would be the light of the world, that we would be a church where the relationships are so beautiful and so dynamic that when people looked in at us, they saw a church that showed the watching world how life is truly meant to be lived. That's the dream. How do we get there? It's a bit like trekking. I think about the trek to Mount Everest. Sometimes visions can feel as big and as enormous as that might be, trekking to Everest. And what I realised when you need to trek to Everest, as I was researching it this week, that the vision to head to uh, Everest is that summit, of course. But the first place that you've got to go before you get to the vision is a place called Base Camp. What I didn't realise, maybe you didn't realise, that to get to Base Camp is in fact in and of itself a 10-day journey. Base camp itself sits at 5,545 metres above sea level. And that in itself takes a long time of journeying up to get used to the altitude. And it of itself for many people is its own journey, its own destination. And so for us, let's set some context here about what March will represent for us. March is not going to be a series that's about how we reach the summit. That's That's a vision series. This is a strategic series. Uh, We don't want to be overwhelmed with all this. What we want to understand is, what does it mean for us to get to base camp? (laughs) Can we just get to base camp? What does base camp represent? What base camp could represent for us is this. What if, in one year's time, we were a church that was equipped to deploy 400 neighbourhood missionaries? There, there There are bridge clubs. There are retirement villages. There are 42nd floor office buildings. There are university classes. There are mums groups. There are sports teams that in one year's time, God will have sent into them a Northsider. 
And that Northsider could be you. That all that we've been learning is that God has so called you and ordained you to step into that. And so if we're going to be a church that could influence the city of Sydney, part of what I've been asking is how does a ministry team of four or so ministers do that? And then it hit me. We're not a church of four ministers. We're a church of 400 ministers. Each and every one of us that call ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ has been called into that. And if we're going to influence the city of Sydney, if you look at a map of our church, you know that less than 40% of our church come from the local area? That means the vast majority of our church, we have people in Pittwater, we have people in Parramatta, we have people in Manly, we've had people down in Maroubra, people in Brookvale, people in Bellevue Hill, people in Crow's Nest, people in Castle Hill. And what it means is that the way that, that God is already preparing in us to reach the city of Sydney, that he's already placing people in the neighbourhoods that can influence the vast geography that is this wonderful place. That's you, ministers. So it might seem overwhelming, so how do I get like that? What am I supposed to do? You do what I always did in cadets. We had to march as a year nine student for 15 kilometres a day and all we'd ever sing is this song with our big pack on the back, 10, 15 kilos, and we'd just walk along and sing left, 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 right, left, left. And, and even if you couldn't see the summit as to where you were headed, even if you didn't know where you were going because you're just following the guy in front of you, you could at least say left, left, left. In other words, you could take a step. Just one step. So the question for us, if we're going to release 400 neighbourhood missionaries into the city of Sydney, what are three key steps that you and I could take this year? They could be this. It's the first step from participating to providing ministry. The second step that we'll explore next week is to move from being not just a worshipper but a witness. And the third step in 2016 is that we move from just going to church to growing in church. And what it means is, can you imagine that if come in a year's time, the clock ticks over on a Monday, that every single person in this place is thinking, who can I call? Who can I care for? Who can I encourage this week? Uh, that every person is thinking, how is God sending me into my workplace or my school or whatever I'm doing in order to be him? And that each person is saying, Lord, I want to wrestle with you this week through the word. How are you going to change me and shape me? Can you imagine what a church like that would look like? It would look like a city on a hill that is attractive to the world and attracted to the world. So what is the first step that we can take in 2016? Here's the step. You can step from participating in ministry to providing ministry. One of the great truths of the Bible is that the ministers of the church are you. You're the ministers of the church. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was getting at in verse 24 and 25. It says here in chapter 10, it says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, that verse, that's the one verse everyone thinks this is the pastor's stitch up. This is the verse where the, of course, of course, Sam's going to preach this in March. What's he preaching? You have to turn up the, to church because the Bible says so. And in fact, we take this verse um, so out of context because the word for meeting together, the Greek word underlying that is epi-synagogue. Uh, epi meaning above and synagogue is the word uh, where you get synagogue from or, or gathering. So in other words, what it's saying is let us never give up on the higher gathering. And so 
what it's showing us is that there's actually a difference between an aggregation and a congregation. And an, ag- an aggregation is like those marketing events that you go to and you sign up on Eventbrite and you go along, you don't know anyone else, you sit together, that's an aggregation. But a congregation is different. An aggregation is like a bag full of marbles that are next to each other and proximate to one another, just roll over each other, they're next to each other. A congregation, on the other hand, is like a bunch of grapes. That they, They're proximate, but they're intimately connected to a unifying life source. See the difference? Now, Paul, Paul puts this wonderfully in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, one of my favourite passages. And he says in, in Ephesians that, uh, that it's the job of the pastors to equip the saints for the work of service. And so what he means in all of that is that the word equip there is very specific. It means to, it means to literally take something out of, out of the joint and to put, put it back in. And so the imagery he's using there is of a, of a dislocated shoulder. And so he's saying it's the job of the ministers of the church to pull you out and to put you back in. And so what he's getting at there is that, look, a, dis, a dislocated arm is it's physically proximate, but it's rendered ineffective because it, it can't perform its function. And so that is the imagery that we get of the church whenever the Bible talks about it. In other words, here's what church means. Church is meant to be a place where your soul touches, not just your shoulders. Church is meant to be a place where your soul touches, not just your shoulders. That God hasn't ordained you just to be, you could be physically proximate in church, but you are not fulfilling the function that God has called you to. Now this flies in the face of the culture around us, right? It means, it means practically, look, you can come into church and you can sit next to each other and you can sit often. But if you're not engaged in serving one another and providing ministry, you can be close, you can be proximate, but you're not fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Your shoulders are touching, but your soul's not touching. You've seen the difference here? What it, what it means is that you're, you're participating in ministry, but you're not providing ministry. And the key is in the word... The Greek word for, for one another, which is parakaleo. Para mean to come alongside, like parallel, and kaleo meaning to call out. So the imagery here is that church is supposed to be a place where we come alongside each other and, and call each other out. It's mutual. There's a reciprocity in all of this. There's, it means, look, practically you're meant to eat together and pray together and live together and be so transparent with one another that you're able to call each other out. There's a mutuality about it all. There's a mutuality to, communi- to community. So the question is, how do I know if I'm just participating in ministry or if I'm really providing ministry? The question is, does your church life look like this? Are you just proximate or are you functional? Have you been relocated into the body? Are you doing more than just touching shoulders with the person next to you each week? Do you, in other words, do your souls touch? Now, that sounds, that's a weird phrase, isn't it? sounds a bit, oh, do your souls touch? <laughs> um, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm getting at in all of that. What, what does that mean? We're, look, we're told that the, the church is far more than just attending aggregation. It's, it's one anothering to one another. If you want a practical example of that, uh, just look up Romans 12. It can give you the practicalities in, in all of that, what that means. Like love one another, serve one another, practice hospitality. They're all the practicalities. 
But we're going to look now at, at how do we do this. Uh, th- three value shifts that you could have in your relationships that would take you ultimately from, pr- from participating in ministry to providing it. And here they are. Here's the first thing you can do. You could step from connecting with others to considering others in your relationships. From connecting relationships to considering relationships. Verse 24 again. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Consider. That means that you stop, you look, you think, you ponder. How is it that I can help this person heal, grow and look more like Jesus Christ? I'm a pastor, so we, from time to time as pastors, we, we counsel people. And when you counsel someone, when you sit down with someone, they come into your office, they sit in the chair, they talk a lot more than you do, hopefully, because you're counselling, and you take notes. You write it down. Why, why are you taking notes? Because, because you're considering them. You, you're thinking, how, how can I hear what they're saying to me, and how can I th- hear what God is saying through the Holy Spirit, and how, how can I guide them towards Jesus? How can I help grow them, heal them in this moment? So what does base camp look for, like for us in a church in a year's time? It looks like that. No, not, not that everyone's taken notes on each other when you turn up to church. It means you've, you've shifted from a relationship where you turn up to church going, I, just, I hope I meet someone that I really connect with, I really like this week. You move from, from connecting to considering. And you come into church with an attitude of saying, Lord, how in this moment are you going to use me to help listen to what this person is saying and help heal them, grow them and point them towards Jesus Christ? You move from connecting to considering. Is there anyone in your life that you actively operate like that within church? Now, look, I know, Look, by the way, this is far easier for the girls to do, isn't it? We, uh, the girls are great at this. And you see that in mum's group downstairs and uh, women's CBD connect and um, we boys, you know, we're, we're tough. We don't, we don't connect, we, don't, we, we just connect, we, we don't consider. We're... But there's nowhere in the Bible where it says this is gender specific. It doesn't say, look, you ladies, do the, you ladies do the considering, the boys do the connecting, it's for all of us. <laughs> Move from connecting to considering relationships. Here's the second step that you can take. The second step is to step from small talk relationships to spurring relationships. From small talk relationships to spurring relationships. Have you ever been to one of those marketing events? Have you ever turned up to an aggregation? What do you talk about when you get in the foyer? You've got your little name badge. Hi, I'm Sam. Got that nervous cup of coffee with the pump pot. Go and talk to someone, introduce yourself. What do you normally say? Oh, how's the weather? How's the football? How's the sport? <laughs> uh, that's a small talk relationship. Now, is it possible... Is it possible that in a year's time we get to base camp and the only type of relationship that you could have in church is a small talk one? You only see someone once a week, you turn up, how's the weather? How's Jesus? Because you're in church, of course. Small talk relationship. But if you've stepped from participating to providing, you'll move from small talk to spurring one another on. You know what the word spurring in Greek means? I love this. I love this. You know what the word spurring in, in the Greek means? Actually, it means literally to irritate each other. <laughs> and some of you are going, oh, Sam, please, I've just come from a church like that. I'm here to heal, I'm here to rest. God bless you, I hope you're restored. But it's not that type of irritation. It literally means to, ir- to sharply disagree, 
to confront one another. Now, here's the thing. You can't, you won't move into a soul-touching relationship until you, you open yourself up to the possibility that someone can sharply confront or disagree with you. Until you open up, that you say, I am prepared to have someone in my life who will do that to me. And now some of you are thinking, well, oh, who's qualified to do that? You know, not everyone's a counsellor. They're going to say something to me that I disagree with. It could hurt me and harm me. Look, no, at the most simplest level, here's how you know the right person for this job. If you're working out how you identify them over coffee out there. Here's how you know who they are. They're not you. <laughs> Anyone who is not you is the sort of person that can take you from a small talk to a spurring relationship in Christ. And here's why you need people like that in your life. Have you ever, ever done this? Have you ever heard, who's heard their voice back on a voice recorder at some point in their life? Keep your hand up if you still like hearing your voice. <laughs> why is that? I hate listening to the podcast. Ugh. Why is that? It's because you hear your voice through the bones in your neck and all the muscles in your neck. And so, of course, every time you hear your voice, there's more resonance, there's, there's more gravitas, there's more beauty. And you, just, you say to someone, I can't possibly sound like that. And everyone goes, yeah, you do. <laughs> why, why, why is that? Uh, the person who is not you... In that case, it's the voice recorder, reveals to you the things that you are inherently blind to. And that's why they don't need much qualification at all. If you are prepared to open yourself up to a relationship where can someone who is not you can see in and to paracaleo come alongside you and to call out, ah, that's how we grow. That's how we become more and more like Jesus. And I know some of you, some of you that concerns you. It reminds me of, uh, of a great quote from a great show at the moment called Suits. And Jessica, the main character from Suits, says to one of her senior partners in the law firm that she's a part of, she says, Lewis, you are so not self-aware. But she says, what I like about you is that whenever someone holds up the mirror to you, you're not afraid to look. I think one of the great challenges in the church is that there are people who are afraid. Are you afraid to look? Aren't we? Oh, what if they see my weaknesses? What if they see my flaws? What if they see my failures? What if they see how I get angry when I'm not putting my church face on? What if they see the things about me that I know that people won't like? What if they see um, those things deep down in the depths of my soul? What if they see my sinfulness? By the way, the Bible says that sin deceives. Sin, sin makes you blind to its presence. And the very thing you need in your life in order to be more like Jesus Christ is a human voice recorder. I, I, don't, I don't act like that, do you? Uh, yeah, you do. Are you afraid to look? Only when you open yourself up to be unafraid to look will you move from small talk to spurring relationships. And personally for me, look, one of my great mates here, I've known him for 10 years, he has a great line for me. Every time we catch up, he knows that he's got permission to do this. He always says to me, Sam, I know that you would want to know this. <laughs> Don't you just love friends like that? <laughs> but I do love friends like that. 
It's like, it's like walking through life with like a human life-size piece of lettuce in your teeth. <laughs> and I know that you would want to know this. That's how, that's how I know I have someone in my life that, that it's not a small talk relationship, but a spurring relationship. He irritates me sometimes, but I love him for it. <laughs> have you got that? Is there someone who will biblically irritate you in your life? That's how you move from being a ministry participant to provider. The, fast, the last one, and a quick one, is that you step from expecting relationships to encouraging relationships. It's a great balance here, isn't it, too, that we see from the word. It's that great work of parakaleo to come alongside, to empathetically put your shoes, put yourself in the shoes of the other person. To think about how they're thinking and what they're carrying and what they're burdened with and what they're going through. And you see, you know, this is the opposite of spurring, isn't it? And that's why, look, some of you have come from irritating churches. They're the churches that lay down the law. You're never good enough. And then on the other hand, there are churches, some churches are all irritating, but some churches are all encouraging. That's not healthy either, is it? Church that lets you just do whatever you want, even when it's blatant that you're living outside the plans that God has for your life. And yet, as a church, we're supposed to be both. We're supposed to irritate each other, but we're also supposed to encourage each other. And so to step from an expecting relationship to an encouraging relationship, it, it, it means this. I, I don't know, have you got people in your life that are a bit like this? They're the ones that are always expectant in the relationship. You know those people you turn up and, and I don't want to be sarcastic about it because there's lots of great reasons why people could be like this. But have you ever had that person in life that they are always expecting something from you? You turn up and there's, there's always a face. And it's like, how are you doing today? Good. <sighs> Is there something going on? Yeah, yeah, look, I've got to tell you what's happening. You know, I just can't believe and I can't believe what she said and he said. And, uh, and then it goes for the next. Anyone ever had someone like that in? Yeah, you, can, you can do a spiritual hand, you know, after <laughs> raise the hand. <laughs> what do you do like that? Maybe that's a part of the... Part of the sermon where we think, um, yeah, you know what? Look, those people have got to get their lives together here. I'm here to say to you this morning, it's your responsibility to be the encourager. Just encourage. And can you imagine a church when, when you're driving in the car and all the craziness of getting the kids or getting the body out of bed at 9.30 in the morning to get to church? What if we had 400 people that turned up and said, if there's one thing that I'm going to do interpersonally at Northside this morning, I'm going to encourage I'm, I'm going th- to put myself in that person's shoes and I'm going to encourage. You step from an expectant relationship. Oh, how am I going to feel? What am I going to get out of it all this morning to an encouraging relationship? So, can, can you see how if, if, if your relationship shifted just in one of these ways, can you see how you would move from just participating in ministry to providing ministry? Just one of these ways and you see if you if you step like that you can't possibly be proximate the other one is can you see how this is so much more than just being on a roster we've talked about serving for three weeks and this is the underneath this is the why of all of the mosaic stuff you know you could technically be on a roster and not do any of this it's supposed to be both end that we both serve but we serve with this type of attitude to our relationships that it's it's not about whether we should serve or where we serve but this is about how we serve and that's vastly different so what do we do with all of that 
Look, there's probably a couple of objections as we finish this morning. There's probably a couple of objections to that. I call them the applicability, the availability, the accountability objections to all of that. The applicability objection is, oh, Sam, you know what? I'm already doing this. I've been doing it for 30 years. Um, yeah, but look, Luther said the gospel is the A to Z of life, the A, not the ABCs of life. And so what that means is that even if we've been doing it for 30 years, there's always a way that we can be doing this better, right? So uh, uh, that's, the, that's the applicability piece, the availability piece. Look, I know how it feels. We live busy lives, but that was week three of Mosaic. Are you freed up or full up? In fact, as Dallas Willard would say, uh, give, give me a diary and I can show you what you love. See, all of this, this whole sermon series, is, it's about value shifts, not practical shifts, because our actions always flow from what we value. And if we value these types of relationships, then the action will naturally flow. So, uh, availability. We understand we're busy, but there's always an opportunity to be intentional about it. And the last one, accountability. Why should I? Look, this is one of the very things that scares people about joining a church. You get afraid that someone's going to hold up the mirror to you, but there is no better place to link in and be accountable to people and to show you the things in your life that you can't see. And so why, why should you in all of this? Look, I put on the, on the front cover of the Northside News this week, you know, you know our church has grown net. Once you take the additions and the subtractions in the way that we transition as a church, we've grown net 10% year on year for the last two years. And what that means is if you look at a, around at you if, you, if you look around in this auditorium, I think we'd be lucky at the moment if we've even got 10% of empty chairs available this morning. What it means is that in, in every empty chair that is in this auditorium, if God keeps doing what he is doing at the rate that he is doing in this church, there in the next 12 months will be someone sitting in that chair that he may very well have called you to minister to. Because we're a church not of four ministers, but a church of 400 ministers. And so, why would we do that? Look, anyone who is a Christian knows that we've only received the blessing that we have. We've only received this wonderful community that we have because Jesus took the step from participating in ministry to providing ministry. The guy had the world's best epi-synagogue. Think about it. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's like talk about a gathering that's above. It's the ultimate gathering and it's only because when Christ incarnates and he says, Father, I will go to them, I will adapt to them, I will be with them, I won't just have my shoulders touched but I will soul touch with them, I will connect with them, only because Jesus steps out of his safe little gathering in order to minister to other people have we come in. And he says, I stepped out of my epi synagogue. So to what degree are you opening up yours? That's why we do that as Christians. Because God only ever calls you in to be not a ministry receiver, although that can be healthy at times, but a ministry provider. And so the question for you this morning is simply this. What is one next step that you can take, not the next 30 years, in the next 30 days, that will move you from being a ministry participant to a ministry provider in this place? For some, it might mean joining the church on Welcome Sunday. For some, it might mean serving for the first time. But do it with the right attitude. 
Um, for, for some, it might mean a new intentionality, not necessarily with your attendance and your physical presence here, but with your attitude of those that you connect with. Maybe for some of you, it means a step to open yourself up for someone to hold the mirror up in your life. But here's the point. I keep saying there are, there are hands only you can hold. There are clubs only you can go to. There are lives only you can reach. There are beds only you can sit beside. There are phone calls only you can make. There are meals only you can cook. You are God's workmanship and God has placed you to minister to those around you. And so what if in 2016 our one goal as a church was to equip 400 neighbourhood missionaries? Then we've got a chance of influencing the city of Sydney. And so I think it's possible and here's why. You know, each Monday morning, you know, we, um, we mark the attendance here. Might seem a little bit archaic. That's what all those blue cards are for you in front. We, we actually mark the attendance. I feel like a school teacher. What I love about it is every member of the ministry team, we just don't mark attendance. We look over every single name that, that is those that God has given us for this season. And you know, on one hand, we, we tick the sheet, but on the other hand, we stop. And in our own ways, we think and we pray and we empathise and we wonder how that person is travelling. And we write the names down. And from time to time as a pastor, you know, I, I love you guys dearly. What I, the thing that is giving me great joy in this season is I'm starting to send messages out from time to time and I'm saying to someone, hey, how's the bub going? I'm really praying for you. And then I'm getting messages back going, thanks for the message, Sam. Yeah, it's really great. So-and-so dropped me a meal off last week. Then I'll send another message out and I'll go, I'm just wondering how you're going uh, with, with your healing and the recovery from the operation. And they said, yeah, it's, it's really great, Sam. So-and-so came and visited me last week. Then I'll say to someone, I know you've lost a loved one. I'm wondering how you're doing. They said, I'm great, Sam. Thanks for the thought. But someone also really called, they called me this week. And I've been really encouraged by that. You know what that is? That is the church already moving from being ministry participants to ministry providers. The only way that we will be an influence to the city of Sydney is when we see that this church is not comprised of four or so ministers, but 400 ministers in this moment. C.S. Lewis said, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways. But above all, he works on us through each other. We are carriers of Christ to each other. It's easy to think the church has many purposes, education, building, missions, holding services. But the purpose of all those purposes is one. The church has no other purpose than to draw people into Christ and to make them like little Christs. I call them Jesus. And if they're not doing that, then all the cathedrals, all the missions, all the sermons, even the teaching of the Bible are simply a waste of time. Go out to your work. Go out to your week. Go out to coffee in the next three to five minutes. And may you begin to be a ministry provider. God has so placed people in your world, in your week, to do that. Go, little Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we commit all of this to you and we thank you, Father, for the way that you are ahead of us in this place. And Lord, if it be your will, will you awaken something in us as we head into 2016 in a new way? Now may you be through the Holy Spirit right now, Father God, ministering to each and every one of us that you are bringing people to mind that we could speak into and encourage 
that you bring to mind all the various people that are in our world, Father. Maybe just one, maybe just two that you are calling us to minister to. Father, I'm praying that this year we are going to continue to see just an emergence of this precious dynamic that is already at work and that is of the church being the church. And so, Lord, in so doing, may we uh, rejoice, may we find a great joy, not only as we give, but inevitably in all of that, Father, as we receive. As we bless others, but at the same time, Father, we are blessed. Whether it be by meals, phone calls, a word of encouragement, an invitation, a new friendship. Father, that is a great blessing that you pour upon us, and that is the great supernatural ministry that we know to be the church. May we be like that, Father, only through your power and your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.